Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today we have an interesting show for you. Um, see how you uh, come down, on, uh, on which side you come down. Um, my two guests are gentlemen who believe strongly in their causes, uh, so strongly that they take campaigns across America to get all of us involved in their causes as well. And um, you know, if you've been listening to the show for any <laughs> any amount of time, you know how strongly I, I believe in um, your taking a stand for whatever it is that you believe in and taking some action on it, not just sitting home and watching television and letting your life go by, but standing up for what you believe in. And uh, now you may not agree with some of the things that you hear today, and if not, you can call in. <laughs> but um, but certainly, you have to give people credit for what they're doing to to um, support their beliefs and to get you involved with them as well. My guests are John Ubaldi. He is the director of communications for Move America Forward, and uh, they are about to this week embark on a caravan across America, and I will let him tell you about that. And my other guest is Brian Hampton, who is the founder and publisher of Veterans Vision, which is also affiliated with Circle of Friends for American Veterans. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you very much for having us on the show. Now, why don't we start with um, John Ubaldi, because um, that, I think, is the most uh, imminent uh, march, and why don't you tell us all about what Move America Forward is and what this march is all about. Move America Forward is a nonprofit organization that was started in 2004 to support the troops and support their mission that they're engaged in. Now, currently what we're doing is we're doing a nine-day, nine 22-city caravan across the country culminating in a rally with um, other various groups like... Um, I can't even think of the name right now offhand. I'm sorry for that. But one of them is Gathering of Eagles. Gathering of Eagles. Thank you very much. <laughs> Gathering of Eagles in Washington, D.C. on the 17th of March and to show support for the troops as they fight the war on terror. And we've got a lot of support from different parts of the country. A lot of the veterans organizations are helping us out to make sure that the troops who are serving in harm's way know that the American public is behind them. Yes, and now you're starting out in San Francisco. Correct, and we're ending and up in Washington, D.C., and we're making our trip through Southern California and down to the southwest, to the south, and up into the Carolina coast until we finally reach Washington, D.C. on the 15th of March. Okay, and it's, it's a caravan of cars? It's a caravan of cars. There's going to be the main group is from Move America Forward the main, uh, through the whole leg, and then in various aspects of the caravan across the country, individuals will join the caravan to as far as they can go. Some are joining from San Francisco to Stockton. Others are coming in from Phoenix to driving to um, 
Tucson or from Tucson to El Paso, some from Midland to Dallas, and others are coming from various other parts of the, the route itself and going as far as they can. And some are actually just going to be at one particular rally and then fly into Washington, D.C. to be at the main rally on the 17th of March. That's a lot of um, rallies, 22 cities in nine days. That's a lot of, a lot of rallies, a lot of cities. That's correct. It's a lot of cities. It's a huge undertaking, but um, we've got a lot of support through people throughout the country. A lot of people have been sending us flags. Cause one of the other things we're doing at these rallies is collecting flags. We're going to display these flags in Washington, D.C., and then we're going to send those flags to the troops with a little note saying, this flag flew in your honor in Washington, D.C. during this particular event. Well, that, that sounds wonderful. Um, have, now, what was the impetus for this? I mean, what, why did you decide to do this caravan? We'd, we've got word of it that there's some people that were may not be in favor of what we're trying to accomplish in the war on terror or in Iraq, and they were going to have a, a demonstration at the four-year anniversary of us going into Iraq. So we wanted to, and we sometimes feel that those who are against what we're trying to accomplish seem to get more publicity than those who believe what we're trying to do. So we decided to do a rally in Washington, D.C., among the other groups that were back there. And one of the impetus for was this was um, gathering of eagles and a lot of the Vietnam uh, veteran organizations because in January, some of those who were demonstrating in Washington, D.C., the Capitol Police witnessed them vandalizing various parts of the Capitol building and they were, were told not to make any of these um, type of arrests. We're not sure who made that, that call from there, but a lot of the Vietnam veterans were alarmed that some of the um, some stuff was happening to their, uh, the Vietnam memorials and some of the veterans' um, memorials in Washington, D.C., and they wanted to make sure this didn't happen to some of their memorials, so that kind of reflects back on their service during Vietnam. Hmm. Okay. Um, well, why don't we? I, I do want to talk with both of you about this whole issue of can you be for the troops and not for the war? But let's first find out from Brian Hampton what his organization, Circle of Friends, does. Sure. Thank you very much, uh, Dr. Carroll. I'm uh, speaking of Vietnam veterans and Army Infantry Vietnam veteran and founded the uh, Circle of Friends in 1993. I'm here in. Uh, Falls Church, Virginia, our national headquarters, and uh, we had a series of rallies, Operation United Revely 3 last year. We went to 14 cities throughout America, and John, you mentioned El Paso and Tucson and Dallas. We were in all those cities, and uh, our mission was to uh, provide a wake-up call for America about the way we're treating veterans in this country, and also to put the heat on the politicians and to uh, highlight transitional facilities who are doing the heavy lifting for homeless uh, American veterans, 300,000 in the country. And so what does, so the Operation United Reveille um, is, is to bring attention to this and to raise funds for the homeless shelters? Two facets. One, to generate support for 250 transitional facilities that are essentially doing all the work for homeless veterans. The VA, in spite of their good intentions, isn't doing much. 
to generate support for those transitional facilities, and two, to bring the heat on the politicians so they see the light. Uh, we've seen all these reports uh, about Waller Reed, and it's the the problems of uh, taking care of veterans are far more widespread than just the crown jewel of taking care of veterans. Waller Reed is throughout the country. Only half of the VA centers in America provide for PTSD counseling. And hmm. you know, those half of the centers that do, according to GAO, six out of seven of them aren't prepared to handle the caseload. So we're putting the heat on the politicians so that they can help correct this problem. What's GAO? The Government Accountability Office. Uh huh. And what? And you're going to be doing one this year as well. When is that? And and is it for the same purpose? It's it sure is. And thanks for for asking. Uh, we'll be. Uh, it'll be in January or in February. We'll be bird dogging these presidential campaigns and candidates around the country in those early primary and caucus states, just like we did in 2004. We'll be in uh, Cedar Rapids, uh, Iowa. We'll be in Des Moines. We'll be in Manchester, uh, New Hampshire. We'll be in Columbia and Charlestown, uh, South uh, Carolina. Uh, we'll be in Virginia. We'll be in Michigan. We'll be in the Big Ten states. And we'll be challenging these presidential campaigns to hear what they're going to do for 26 million American veterans and challenge them to sign a veteran's bill of rights. Hmm. Have you um, have you already contacted any of the candidates? Have you already gotten a sense of who would be more supportive? <laughs> there. They won't know their schedule a week in advance, let alone. No, but I mean, I don't mean their schedule really. I mean, just have you, do you have a sense now for who is more sensitive or sympathetic towards um, the veterans? Who is more supportive? Yeah. Oh, I have a, a, a general sense, but uh, it, until the, uh, uh, Dr. Lieberman, until the Post did these articles, um, uh, few politicians were talking about this problem. Until and there started, there, there's some sort of interference, I guess, in our office here, but nobody was talking about that that issue. Until when? Until the Washington Post, 10 days ago, did an expose on the shoddy treatment of our troops uh, yeah. coming home from Iraq and Afghanistan at Waller Reed. And now everybody's scurrying around saying, geez, we didn't know about this, mm. and we're going to try to do something about it. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. our approach is the same. You know, Abraham Lincoln said if you can mold public opinion, then you can shape public policy. And that's much like John is doing. That's an extremely ambitious series of rallies, like he said, Carol, in a short period of time, to shape public opinion so we can shape public policy. Yes. Now, when we, you're both doing great jobs. Um, when we come back, I want to sort of get into this whole issue of um, whether what each of you think, whether we can support the troops um, in various ways or and the veterans, uh, but but here particularly whether we can support the troops in Iraq and yet not support the war. So, um, both of you, I'd like to hear what both of you have to say about that. We're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. You're listening. We're all listening <laughs> to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're talking today about can you support the veterans and the soldiers, the troops, and not support the war. So stay tuned.
the Internet's premier talk radio station, VoiceAmerica.com. Join Patricia Raskin, host of Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com, Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call in to Positive Living Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern and 11 a.m. Pacific Time right here on VoiceAmerica.com. What does it take to get your business online? How do you leverage the Internet to attract more clients, expand your network, and make more money? What are the tools you need to master? It's not enough to know the tools. You need to build a solid foundation and actually implement systems that automate your business as much as possible. On Blogging and Beyond with Denise Wakeman and Patsy Krakoff, the Blog Squad, learn about new tools that are easy and essential to use in order to grow your business online. Get strategies, tactics, and tips that work if you implement them. Denise and Patsy interview internet marketing experts, plus coach a client in real time through the steps designed to market a real product or service. Blogging and Beyond with Denise Wakeman and Patsy Krakoff broadcasts each Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Blogging and Beyond, leverage the internet to attract, sell, and profit online. Here's a show for baseball players, coaches, parents, and those who love the game. At least 90% of sports success, including baseball, requires mental strength in order to fully benefit from technical ability. And the higher the competition level, the more critical it becomes to possess mental muscle. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time to Championship Thinking, hosted by Jim Meyer and brought to you by the National High School Baseball Coaches Association. Jim, sports psychology coach, trainer, and author of numerous articles and the workbook, Championship Thinking, Building Mental Muscle in Baseball, simplifies the mental game with easy Easy to understand tools and tips. With his weekly guests, Jim draws from successes with professionals, college, high school, and youth teams, coaches, and players. Learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure, tension, and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance. Tune in and tune up your mental and technical knowledge and skills with Championship Thinking every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time right here on America's Voice, Voice America. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today we're talking about what we can do to support our troops and support our veterans. And now we're about to ponder the question of whether we can support our troops and veterans without continuing to support the war in Iraq. It's a very difficult time for Americans. We're not very popular around the world, and um, it's which is very particularly sad since we are the biggest uh, donor, giver, philanthropist around the world. But um, we, our popularity has gone down at the same time, of course, People are wearing American clothes and eating uh, McDonald's and right. pizza and all of that, but it's, it's a, there are a lot of paradoxes going on. But at the same time, America is being looked at as the bully. But, um, you know, there's, a, it's, there's certainly um, a lot of division in terms of politics, which political party you support. And um, and then, of course, that gets into, although it's not exactly parallel, 
but it gets into um, which whether you support the war or not. And it's it's people are very confused. Um, certainly, everyone would agree that they do support veterans. They do support our troops over there. But then a lot of people ask, well, if I support the troops, does that mean that I support the war? So, John, um, my guest today, let me reintroduce my guest, uh, John Ubaldi, who is the Director of Communications for Move America Forward, and Brian Hampton, who is the founder and publisher of Veterans Vision, which is connected to Circle of Friends for American Veterans. You've heard what they do at least a portion of what they do. They work very hard for their causes. And let's now um, talk about this issue, which I think really uh, troubles most Americans. So, John, why don't you start? Well, the first part of your question is, when America's image is abroad, has taken a beating or taken a, um, a tumble. And it would, I think that question goes far deeper than just the war on terror and there's a bigger context to that, and I won't discuss it at that time because that will take us into another discussion altogether. But regarding the war on terror, it's, it's, um, you can still support the troops. And some people ask, well, can you, if I support the troops, does that mean I support the war on terror? I, th- I don't know how you can, for me, I don't see how you can separate the two. Because if you support the troops, it's just like... When I served in Iraq, it would be nice to know that everybody was behind what I was trying to accomplish in Iraq, or what when I was in Afghanistan, that everybody was behind what we were trying to accomplish in Afghanistan. But the greater problem is, I mean, how do you support the troops if, when the context, when he had General Petraeus, when he was being confirmed to be the ground commander in Iraq, and he passed unanimously, it was over almost 90 to nothing, almost every standard except for some who, I guess, abstained or weren't there to, to vote. And then at the right same moment, when he asked, this is what I need to succeed in Iraq, and a great many senators and congressmen were not behind him when he said, this is what I need. So I don't see, I have a problem with that. If you support the troops, then you have to support what we're trying to accomplish. Because we hear the rhetoric of, this is the wrong war. Your sacrifice, you're dying for nothing. And when I hear that, and I was over there, and I saw friends, and I saw fellow Marines killed, and then I hear that we died for nothing, it just, I don't understand the, uh, that issue. I think, if you, you, I think it has to be one and the same. Well, I guess it's rather demoralizing for people in Iraq, the soldiers in Iraq, to um, get information, get the news from America that shows that that there are so many people against the war. Is that is that what you're saying as well? Well, I mean, the troops do see things. I mean, most of the troops don't get involved in politics. Most of the troops are there, there to do their job that they're trained to do. I can't speak for everybody in the military but majority of the people that I served with, almost everybody that I associated with, supports what we're trying to accomplish over there. I just think the United States or the American people get a um, a misguided image of what's going on or don't understand the complexities of what's going on in the Middle East in general, not just within Iraq, in the whole context of the Middle East. I don't think they get a full picture. I mean, when I was in Ramadi, I think I saw three reporters come through my area in seven months. And I know they must have reported on this, 
on Ramadi at some point, because that was the whole center of the uh, the insurgency, the capital city of the whole Anbar province. So I saw three reporters. One reporter wrote on a story that we were doing when we were bringing uh, humanitarian school supplies to a, a boys and girls school, and I read his article after we left, and I was looking at it and like, is this the same city that the same town and the same school that we that I went to? What did he write? He wrote that this we were fearful of us going out. We had to watch for snipers. We had to watch for this. Watch that was the most peaceful mission we ever could have went on. And one thing he didn't write about, and I told him straight up where we got the school supplies. The Iowa National Guard had their community contribute $200,000 worth of school supplies. I was the one that had to coordinate it to move it from Iowa to Camp, to Camp Lejeune, then back down to Atlanta. I got with a civilian contractor. They got a trucking company to move it to, that, to Atlanta from Iowa. I worked with another organization called Spirit of America. They got with Federal Express, and they flew it over to Iraq. didn't cost the military a thing. And then we brought it into Ramadi and passed it out to the children. And then one Marine don't, had his family ship over 5,000 stuffed animals. That didn't make the story. But hmm. what did make the story was the violence and we worry about snipers. And he even told me he had to convince his editors why he needed to be there. So there's no doubt in my mind that he had to kind of up the ante a little bit, make it sound like he was in mortal danger. Hmm. He couldn't have been more safer. We were playing with the kids, picking them up. Kids were having fun. As soon as we drove off, they were showing us their backpacks full of school supplies. So I just feel that the American public is not getting a full accounting of what's going on. They see just one aspect, and that's it. It's easy to show car bombings going off or the violence, but they're not seeing the whole underlying situation of what is happening in Iraq and what is happening in the broader context of the Middle East. And you think that this is done also to um, create bias to get more people to think that we should get out of Iraq? Well, it goes two ways. I'm not trying to uh, fully go that direction. There's a book called um, Democracy in America written by Alexis de Tocqueville in about 1830, written by a French philosopher, political scientist. And he said when he came over here to study this new American democracy, he said, American media is all about what sells. Look what's in the, the top bread is on the cable news shows. It's the no-spin zone, Scarborough country, crossfire. We have these catchy little phrases. And look what's in the news right now. I mean, I feel sorry for her family, but Anna Nicole Smith is a big news item. Britney Spears, what are the, Paris, what are the Hilton sisters doing? And it seems like we gravitate what sells instead of the actual what's going on and understanding what's going on in some of these areas. And that would go into the broader question that you brought up first, is why does the world have a problem with the United States because of our image when you brought up all the, we're the biggest humanitarian aid donors. Any crisis is around the world. It's the United States that steps up to the forefront. You don't see the Europeans. You don't see the Chinese. You don't see the Japanese go into these areas like the United States does. So it, there's a broader question to this whole thing, and I don't think we're being given the full story of why we are involved in certain parts of the region and why the world 
has a problem with the United States and these certain issues. Yes. Um, Brian, what would you, what is your opinion on all of this? Oh, I could talk for a few hours, but I'll (laughs) try to make it shorter. I, I have a, the situation in Iraq specifically, it's kind of the convergence of, uh, uh, of the military action in uh, politics and national policy, I, I know a little something about that because uh, having served in uh, in Vietnam, and by the time I came back in 1970, the public didn't support the war, and the people didn't support the Vietnam veterans. Some of my colleagues, uh, even though they put their life on the line and maybe spent a year in the hospital, were spit on in their hometown when they wore their uniform. So we don't want to have that. Uh, we want to have American people supporting the troops, but but there are two different there are two different issues. There's the political aspect and there's the uh, the military aspect. And uh, you know, I was trained as an infantry officer and went to the Vietnam as a, an infantry officer. And uh, but I think the, the the bigger bigger broader picture is that we're losing the ideological war around the world. These terrorists. Uh, are not born, they're not born terrorists, they're indoctrinated. And I I think the military mentality is that we're going to win the war by just killing more people. And it's not going to work that way. You can't kill enough people. You have to win their hearts and minds. We have to have a political uh, solution in Iraq. We're not going to have a military solution, not in the near future, perhaps not ever and we need to concentrate on the broader picture. But I think clearly we can support the troops, and we have to support the troops. We have to support them uh, with appropriations. We have to support them with proper armor, and we truly have to support them when they come back to this great country of ours and separate out, and they have post-traumatic stress disorder, and they're facing homelessness. And this great country of ours, the government, is, is, is falling down. Now, the key to this is what John is doing and, and what the Circle of Friends for American Veterans is doing and what the, uh, the Washington Post did, amazingly enough, is to shape public opinion. If we shape public opinion, then we can change public policy in this country. Well, okay. Um, we'll take this further when after the break. Um, I, I want to ask you about uh, this question of, whether the Vietnam veterans um, are in support of this war or not, Um, because I think you both both seem to have implied different things, so I'd like to talk about that as well. We have to take a break now. You're all listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host. My guests are Brian Hampton, the head of Circle of Friends for American Veterans, and John Ubaldi, the director of communications for Move America Forward. So stay tuned, and we'll be back. The Internet's premier talk radio station, voiceamerica.com. Ever wonder what are the favorite travel destinations of the Hollywood Jet Set? Where do celebrities like to go when they aren't walking the red carpet? Tune in to Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk with President of Traveris, David Manning, and Lisa O'Hurley, golf aficionado and wife of actor John O'Hurley. On Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk, David and Lisa talk with well-known actors, 
sports celebrities, and entertainment insiders to find out about their favorite travel destinations and what they recommend. On Travera Celebrity Travel Talk, David and Lisa also offer up feature vacations each week and last-minute deals for your next getaway. Find out what's new and exciting in the travel industry, as well as how to raise money for your nonprofit organizations while enjoying a wonderful vacation. Travera Celebrity Travel Talk with David Manning and Lisa O'Hurley broadcasts each Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Travera Celebrity Travel Talk, your inside look into celebrities and travel. Muscular Development presents No Bull Radio, bringing you the latest news, gossip, and controversy from the world of bodybuilding. Uncensored, uncompromised, and unrestrained in true MD style. Hosted by the infamous muscle mob, Larry Pepe, John Romano, and Dave Palumbo. Welcome top IFBB professional bodybuilders, industry insiders, and characters you won't find anywhere else every week. No Bull Radio broadcasts each Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. If you've ever wondered what the Stern Show would sound like if Howard was a bodybuilding fan, then tune in and find out. Noble Radio, uncensored, uncompromised, unrestrained. Go beyond success and discover a deeper meaning to life. Join host Jeffrey Gitterman and his guests, the premier thought leaders in business, politics, science, spirituality, and culture, who have reached the pinnacle of financial and professional attainment in their fields, only to discover a profound lack of fulfillment with what our culture defines as success. So won't you tune in every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time to Jeffrey Getterman and Beyond Success, redefining the meaning of prosperity, right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're talking today with two gentlemen who are leaders in their respective organizations, um, John Ubaldi with Move America Forward and Brian Hampton with Circle of Friends for American Veterans. And we're talking about uh, these thorny issues that are plaguing all of us today about, um, of course, wanting to support our troops and our veterans and the question of whether that means that we support the war in Iraq. Um, before the break, I, I was saying that, Brian, I wanted to know whether you thought that, um, because John had said earlier, I, I, my understanding was that he was saying that the Vietnam veterans were supportive towards his um, organization and this uh, the concept of not only of course supporting the troops but also supporting the war and I was wondering what um, your Vietnam veterans uh, that you come in contact with had what their feelings were the general feelings about the war in Iraq well I mean we I think uh, all good Americans and citizens uh, hope for a success there and uh, we only have one one commander in chief uh, one president at a time in this country and and we hope that uh, they have success. But I think the public opinion polls show that about 65 or 70 percent of the America uh, Americans don't support the war. I, I wish they did. I wish it were doing better. But the bottom line is we have to take it from where we are now, um, and we need to support the troops and need to do the best job we can. So you also, so you don't disagree with John. You also are not only supporting the troops and the veterans, but you are in support of of the war. 
I wouldn't say I'm in support of the war per se. I mean, we, gosh, I mean, I'm trying to be positive here, and I uh, <laughs> decided I was, uh, I'm on record as saying that we should have top Saddam was a bad guy. He was one of the biggest killers in the world, and yeah. we should have gotten rid of him. But I, we could have done it without sending a troop across the border using psychological operations and psychological warfare. And this is an infantry guy who's trained to kill people in small and uh, large numbers talking to you. And, and we could have toppled this guy, as we've done many other governments around the world, without sending any troops in. But we're already there. But we need to have a political solution. And we need to take care of the troops, and we need to, to uh, get out with honor and win this war on terrorism as well. See, the, the thing is, um, you know, both of you seem to be using the war in Iraq and war on terror interchangeably. I think in one respect it is kind of inter- interchangeable. The whole concept, if you remember when the president spoke, and I'm not here to be a champion for the president. There's a couple things I would disagree with what the administration has done on the war on terror. But when the president spoke that we were going to go after terrorists and the nations that support them, it's just like when we fought in World War II. When we, we did, our policy was to defeat Germany first, then go after Japan, and Japan was a country that attacked us. So the broader concept is all those countries in the Middle East that support terrorism. Saddam was the one supported terrorism. Iran supports terrorism. Many other nations support terrorism, whether it's a Sunni terrorist group or a Shiite terrorist group. So the war in Iraq, in my mind, and the war on terror are interchangeably. Okay. Brian, what do you think? Well, I don't, I don't quite see it that way. I mean, we have more problem, respectfully, John, we have more problem with terrorists now in, in Iraq than, than we had before. The, the big issue is that we need to win the ideological war. We can't kill enough people to kill the terrorists. They're being born and indoctrinated too fast. In, uh, in Vietnam, the, the Viet Cong used to spend three or four hours a day indoctrinating their troops uh, and uh, putting out the, the word uh, on their country um, to, to, to gather support for public opinion for the war. We don't do any of that. We do very little of it. We need to, and we talked about the humanitarian, the generosity of America. We need to communicate to people of all faiths, uh, in all religions, in all lands, what, what our, our, our good purposes are. And, and we're just not doing that. We're, we're losing the ideological war. And not too many presidential candidates are talking about that. That's the big issue. That's the big issue of our time. John, do you have an answer? I mean, I would, I would agree with on some of that stuff. I mean, we are... We could do a better job of portraying our message abroad of what we're trying to do, but I think the broader concept is even way before the, um, the war on terror started on this, uh, September 11th is we have a, basically a clash of civilizations going on right now. Once the Cold War ended with the collapse of the Soviet Union, that left just one superpower. So I think right now you're seeing a realignment almost back to like a 19th century political system where they had the great game being played in different parts of the world, where you're seeing different countries who are controlled under the Cold War model of East versus West. You're seeing the Europeans now stating 
They want to pull away from the United States model because they say, okay, the Soviet Union isn't the threat that it once was. We don't need the United States. We want it to be a way to counteract what the United States is, um, is doing. Now, this just didn't happen just under the, first, uh, under the Bush administration. President Clinton faced the same, same issues. You saw the problem in the Balkans. You even saw the problem we were, before we went into Iraq where certain countries were dealing with Iraq and dealing with Iran. It's the same thing we're seeing right now. They're seeing their own economic interests at stake, and that's why you saw France, Russia, China against what we were trying to do because they had billions of dollars of economic and oil um, revenues they were looking at, and if we came in and replaced them, they would lose that, which they did, and they're seeing the same problem in um, in Iran. So you're seeing every country now looking after its own welfare, and we saw what the United States did in Indonesia during the tsunami. It was kind of ironic that the United States was the one that was the biggest aid giver, and the Muslim countries like Saudi Arabia, who are very wealthy, were one of the smallest aid givers mm. to, that, to that area. Right. So it's just there's a, different things we can do differently, and I agree with the, um, my, the other caller that there's different things we can do. And we just need to. So I agree with Brian on, on that. So we've got to win the ideological battle. Well, you know, but during the break we were talking about um, how part of the problem is that most Americans haven't served. That, that Well, I don't know if it's most now. I mean, is it? Is well, I don't it, know the percentage. I know what you're I, I'm not sure what the percentages are. It just seems a little different when that's just the nature of the freedoms we hold. We don't have a draft anymore. Those who join the military do so by choice. That's the, the choice they decide. For whatever reason they decide to join the military, they do it by a choice. But I think with the war on terror, it's a little differently for this conflict because only those who are fighting the war are those who are in the reserves or those on the, and the active forces. Most Americans have no concept of military service because either they never served themselves or their father has didn't serve, and they go back to their grandfather. So when they talk about military um, policy or military strategy, like I'm sure Brian and me can talk about military strategy because we've served different times, different eras, but we understand the military psyche, the military um, concept, where most civilians don't. So when they hear things in the media, they take it, for face value and have no understanding of what that means. I've had many people ask me different questions. What does this mean? Even when I was in Afghanistan, I had reporters ask me, what does a captain do? Who is he in charge of? Mm. Basic questions that most people a generation ago would have understood. Mm. It's an alien concept today. And do you think that that there should be a draft again, or do you think... I've, I mean, how do you think that, that it's, society is different in addition to not knowing? Just as me speaking, I wrote Congressman Rangel, who was um, advocating some type of draft, and I'm not sure the reasons why he was advocating that. That's something you may have to ask him on another show. I believe there should be some type of conscription, and I posed it to him in the letter that, I would go one step further that if you choose not to join the military for whatever reason, that's fine. Then I think you need to go into some type of 
uh, national service of some sort, something like the, uh, mm-hmm. President Roosevelt did in the 1930s with the Civilian Conservation Corps and various organizations like that. So you give back to your country. So everybody, there's a shared sacrifice. I think that was the difference in World War II. There was actually a shared sacrifice by the country. Most Americans really are not sacrificing during this conflict. It's you, the only ones that's at war right now is the military. Mm-hmm. The American people really are not involved in this conflict unless you go to the airport and have to stand in the long lines for the security checkpoints. But most Americans are, are really not affected by the war on terror or the war in Iraq or Afghanistan. Yes, I think, um, I mean, other than hearing about it every day, uh, I think people do sort of insulate themselves um, to not have to think about it too much. It's just a different time we live in. Well, um, we do need to take another break. The time is going rather quickly. These are very heavy issues that we're talking about. It's hard. It would be nice to be able to come up with um, a solution. Um, no really <laughs> easy solution to some of these questions. Absolutely. We're, we've been talking today with uh, the Director of Communications, John Ubaldi of Move America Forward and the founder and publisher of Veterans Vision with the Circle of Friends for American Veterans, Brian Hampton. Stay tuned, and uh, we'll be right back. The Authority and Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. Live in the Green Life with Kim Carlson, echopreneur, author, and green living maven, brings you an upbeat, fun exploration of the doables of living a more earth-friendly life. Kim cuts through the noise and urban myth of green do's and don'ts and shows that it is possible to live green easily, from hip organic weddings to exotic echo travel to healthy personal care products. Get the most current trends and tips from the experts for living a more planet-friendly and human lifestyle. Live in the Green Life with Kim Carlson, broadcast each Thursday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Living the green life for a human, healthy, and planet-friendly lifestyle. Whether by choice or by circumstance, the statistics of the effects of missing fathers and the impact on our children, our neighborhoods, and our communities is staggering. How can we interrupt this pattern of violence, gang activity, drug use, and sexual activity among our fatherless children? On Changing a Generation, with author, inspirational speaker, life coach, and host, Terrence Wilson, the focus is on elevating the mindset of this current generation by unveiling viewpoints that inspire people to reach for their dreams. Terrence and his guests reveal how building family relationships, becoming an entrepreneur, and living a Christian life develops future leaders in the next generation of children. Changing a Generation with Terrence Wilson broadcast each Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. Changing a Generation, bringing a message of deliverance to the fatherless on News Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. 
Here's a show for baseball players, coaches, parents, and those who love the game. At least 90% of sports success, including baseball, requires mental strength in order to fully benefit from technical ability. And the higher the competition level, the more critical it becomes to possess mental muscle. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time to Championship Thinking, hosted by Jim Meyer, and brought to you by the National High School Baseball Coaches Association. Jim, sports psychology coach, trainer, and author of numerous articles and the workbook, Championship Thinking, Building Mental Muscle in Baseball, simplifies the mental game with easy-to-understand tools and tips. With his weekly guests, Jim draws from successes with professionals, college, high school, and youth teams, coaches, and players. Learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure, tension, and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance. Tune in and tune up your mental and technical knowledge and skills with Championship Thinking every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time right here on America's Voice, Voice America. Muscular Development presents Noble Radio, bringing you the latest news, gossip, and controversy from the world of bodybuilding. Uncensored, uncompromised, and unrestrained in true MD style. Hosted by the infamous muscle mob, Larry Pepe, John Romano, and Dave Palumbo. Welcome top IFBB professional bodybuilders, industry insiders, and characters you won't find anywhere else every week. Noble Radio broadcasts each Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. If you've ever wondered what the Stern Show would sound like if Howard was a bodybuilding fan, then tune in and find out. Noble Radio, uncensored, uncompromised, unrestrained. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're talking today with uh, John Ubaldi from Move America Forward, and now we're joined with, by John Tong from Circle of Friends for American Veterans. Um, actually, we have a caller, so why don't we take that? Uh, Dan? Oh, hello? I lost you. Hello? Yes. Oh, wait. hi. Hi, Is how are you? How Dan? is everyone? Who am I talking to? Oh, this is Dan. Oh, hi, Dan. Okay, so what do you what 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 can, what can we uh, what do you want to contribute? Well, uh, um, I uh, uh, first of all thank you, gentlemen, for your service to this country, and I'd like to say that I do feel that the welfare and, and safety and uh, uh, security of men and women in uniform is very important. I, le- I have a question for Mr. Ubaldi. Um, he says he's not he he's not strictly a partisan uh, on the part of uh, the president, and. And uh, one thing I hear uh, from uh, um, advocates of, uh, of getting the mission done is that we we should do whatever it takes, which I expect is something that, am I mis- unless I'm mistaken, that's something that Mr. Ubaldi believes. No. No. Just keep. If you get kids going with your question, I would have to expand on that one. Well, I mean, well, my question is, uh, well, so often I'll I'll just wrap it up. My, so often I hear people say, well, we have to do whatever it takes, and yet these self same people are are generally opposed to a draft. My suspicion is that the reason for that is that a draft is so politically untenable that it would cast out the Republican Party of, of, uh, of, of this country, which is who these people are really trying to protect, not the troops. Okay. Thank you, Dan. Uh, I'll uh, let you gentlemen answer. I think I'll, I think I'll answer first since he's directed it to me. I mean, sure. Like I said, when you asked me the question before the caller called in, I do support... Conscription. I served in the military. I'm in the reserves now. I've served over 22 years. I believe what we do is right. It's not. I'm not 
it's not, and I've been in both parts of the country. I've been in Iraq. I've been in Afghanistan, so it's not like I'm trying to get out of everything, but I even felt that pushing a draft right after September 11th, I don't think the American people would have supported that. It's not just a Democrat or Republican issue. It's an American issue. I just don't think the American people would have supported a draft even right after September 11th. Uh, sir, if I, if I may respond. Sure. Um, so often, I, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but so often I hear people say, this is the, this is the, the existential threat that uh, this country has always been afraid of, that we're fighting for our lives in Iraq. And yet, th there's, uh, and, I mean, what, what sense, in what sense then can you refute uh, a draft? If, if we're fighting for our very lives, what sense does it make to oppose a draft when, when we need to do whatever it takes to win in Iraq? Whatever, it, I mean, when, when our, the, very, the country's future hangs on our victory in Iraq, what sense does it make to oppose a, a draft? But see, the question you're bringing up is we have to do whatever it takes to win. What do you mean by whatever it takes? Well, that, you I, go in and I, I hear, I, you know, I don't know. The, the fact I hear that, I just hear people say it, and I, I just, their, their own words don't seem to say They say we need to do whatever it takes. Uh, um, people, people who uh, are sympathetic to your cause who say that we, what we have to do is support the troops in their, in their play for victory, they say we have to do whatever it takes, but whatever not up to, but not including a draft. I mean, what, if we're fighting for our lives in Iraq, if we're trying to protect the country, if we're fighting them over there so we don't have to fight them over here, and and losing, why should we not have a draft to, you know, to give us the advantage that we need to win? Uh, would you support a draft? Would I? No, absolutely not. And why won't? Why don't you support a draft? I don't support a draft. I, I think that this war is a political stunt uh, meant to protect the Republican Party and, and help them accumulate more power. I don't. I think it's. I think it's a, a tragedy. I think it's an outrage. But the people that do believe in it, they. I just. I can't understand why that say that we we must devote ourselves 100 percent to the task at hand. They over and over again. They they say well because we, they want somebody else to do it. They don't want to risk their own lives. You know, they want us to win. I mean, I think everybody would like us to win, but if it didn't mean that we have to put ourselves on the line, some people aren't that, willing that to do that. That goes back to the broader question on a lot of issues. I live, we've, we live in, Calif I live in California. Californians want this and that with their, governmental, uh, with their governmental service, but they don't want to pay for anything. We have a Social Security problem. So my generation is looking at not being able to have Social Security because... Certain <laughs> generations don't want to fix so if, if, if I may, if I may interpose on that score, also, we we don't we have a uh, the the Social Security uh, trust fund is looking at a deficit in 30 years, and in 30 years, the Social Security program will run a slight deficit, and this is by the worst uh, the 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 Social Security funds they run uh, projections uh, rated worst, medium, and and best. This is the worst outlook that we would run some kind of deficit in the Social Security program in 30 years. Where did it's you get not, that information from? Where the, it was, well, well uh, you may recall uh, shortly after the, the presidential election, the, uh, the president wanted to uh, take steps to privatize the Social Security program, and uh, the media was awash in information like this. So, uh, the question is, where did you get, what document, what organization, where did you get, and not just the media, because that's I, kind I got of this from the from the, the Social Security Trust Fund itself, from their, from their board of directors. I would have to disagree with that. I've seen well, many other well, studies 
Well, let, let's let John Tung, we're kind of getting off the topic. Let's let John Tung say something. He is the Director of Operations for the Circle of Friends. Yeah, thank you, Dr. Lieberman. Yeah, I, I mean, to, to the caller's point, Dan's point about um, uh, whether or not we should have a draft or not, um, I, you know, I, I, I would disagree that we have to have a draft or that it's uh, necessarily a good idea. Um, I, I would I would say that part of the you know the uh, after the after Vietnam we went to an all volunteer military force and it has a lot of benefits and it and it lets um, uh, and, it, and it lets the people that really want to serve be a part of the military. Uh, I think symbolically going to a um, a, a draft uh, and, and ensuring that more Americans are taking the responsibilities of uh, defending our country is uh, is very admirable. But I think logistically it, it poses a lot of problems and, and could cause a lot of conflict. Uh, very you know all at once and very if it were done abruptly, um, you know part of the. Part of the reason why I feel like uh, a lot of people are dissatisfied with the war and, and have a lot of criticism of it is the way we got into it and um, and you know the the almost unilateral nature of uh, our entering the conflict and a lot of people uh, had become accustomed to us uh, working more multilaterally with a lot of other countries and and sharing the burdens of a conflict but you know um, we're we're facing a, a different uh, different world ever since September 11th and we're facing uh, different kinds of commitments and making bigger decisions it, it may become necessary to go to a draft if we have to continue facing these uh, these conflicts alone but uh, well, yes, especially when there's North Korea and Iran on the horizon. Well, exactly, and and who knows what other what other threats could pop up? I mean, of course, you know, there's a lot of more recent reports about um, you know uh, Al Qaeda making toeholds into uh, Africa and Somalia, mm-hmm. and and that's necessitated the uh, you know Europe and America to form new alliances to look at. at uh, the potential threat that eventually Africa could hold. But by no means am I advocating we need to have war with country after country. You handle different situations differently. And, uh, you know, and I think at this point, uh, because, um, uh, you know, with the understandable mistakes that are made when you enter into a project like a war, um, you know, we have lost credibility and, and we will, and we will have difficulties, uh, you know, if we, um, had to go into, um, uh, you know, Iran, let's say, or, or if there was military action, uh, necess- necessitated in, uh, in other countries. But, uh, you know, we, we have to, we, we have to, you know, Take things. Um, uh, we have to take things step by step. Learn from our experiences. Learn from Iraq, and uh, uh, and and I believe that at least one good positive out of all of this is that you know we're creating a generation of American veterans that are going to come back to this country and uh, that have uh, a, a clear uh, understanding of of what it means to serve this nation, um, and uh, and historically that has just uh, produced beautiful dividends for our nation. Well, and let's, uh, of course, uh, let's just hope, though, that there's the, the services, the medical services for PTSD and everything else that these veterans will need. Oh, my, the end of the hour. Well, thank you, Dan, for calling in. I'd like to thank Brian Hampton, the founder and publisher of Veterans Vision, and John Tong, the uh, director of operations for Circle of Friends for American Veterans. Their website is vetsvision.org. That's V E T S. V-I-S-I-O-N, vetsvision.org. 
and move America forward. I'd like to thank John Ubaldi, the Director of Communications. Their website is moveamericaforward.org. Go to the website, see where the campaign is uh, going to be traveling, whether it's uh, it leaves on March 8th, right, John? March 8th to March 17th. That's correct. March 17th is where it ends up in Washington for the culminating rally. So go to the website, find out the information. There's a map that will tell you uh, where it's going to be when. And, um, yes, it is a thorny problem whether you can support the troops without supporting the war. But certainly everyone supports the troops, so I would suggest that you get out there regardless of what your political persuasion is. So thank you very much, all of my guests, for joining me for this difficult difficult uh, problem that's facing all of us. And I'd like to thank all of you for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat.